Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. So good to see you. Hey, if you're a guest with us today, I, I just want to start by saying, I'm so sorry. It's very cold. I think about all of y'all that came down like, oh, I'm escaping Minnesota. And then you get down here, and it's a little, I know my blood is thinned out, but still, like this humidity and the cold, it'll get you. All right, enough about that. We're so glad that you're with us. Will you stand to your feet? As you're doing that, I want to remind you, we have the XO conference coming up soon, where we're going to set aside time and invest in our marriages and ask God to meet us. And not just our current marriages, but I'm so encouraged hearing from, from different singles that are attending because they have a vision not to become a good husband once they get married or not to become a good wife once they get married, but to begin to allow God to prepare them and give vision now. And, uh, and it's going to be a wonderful time together. And, and I can tell that uh, the enemy doesn't like it. Let me just say that. He doesn't like it when families get stronger and people begin to invite the Lord into their home in new, fresh ways. Uh, This month, we've studied together. We've talked about how God speaks to His people. Now, Jesus said it blatantly, and He didn't condition the statement that we as believers in Jesus Christ, His sheep, following the shepherd, can hear His voice. I'm so glad He didn't condition that statement by saying after five years or after getting to being a level 10 Christian, you can hear my voice. He just said, my sheep hear my voice. We talked about how the Word of God speaks. We talked about how the, the, uh, the times that, that we're alone establish when, when our hearts know the voice of God, when no one else is around, that He speaks in those times. We had a wonderful Presbytery weekend seeing prophetic ministry. Last weekend, we talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit and how God speaks through His Holy Spirit. This weekend, we're going to talk about you. We're going to talk about me. We're going to talk about the family of God and how God speaks through the family of saints. John chapter 10 is our keynote verse. Verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Exodus 33, verse 11 says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you grow us as the family of God? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you're with us online, welcome. We're so glad that you are with us. Now, I'm going to reference this later, but I'll start by, by uh, just putting it in front of you so you, you don't wonder why, why is there another book on, uh, up, up here with me. Uh, this is a friend of mine that, that wrote this book. I went to college with Daniel. Daniel's a pastor out at New Life Church, one of the associate pastors there. And he, he wrote this book called The Power of Place. He's written another book called Chasing Wisdom. That's a great book as well. But this talks about the, the godly heritage that is built when we have a mentality of putting down roots. 
And we'll talk more about that, but I wanted to, to make you aware of that. Um, how many of you, let me ask it this way, how many of you have, have walked with the Lord and been going, let me just say this way, going to church for more than 10, 15 years? If you've walked with the Lord, that's awesome. That's great. If you didn't raise your hand, great. No worries. We're glad you're here. The, uh, the wonderful thing is Jesus just says, come be a sheep, and we're going to follow. Uh, I, I've grown up with, with my parents as pastors, and so I have all kinds of great stories of, of the people of God. I remember when my dad pastored a church in Hominy, Oklahoma. It's a little, very, very little town. There was a, a woman named Phyllis, and uh, we would get up, and, and Dad would take me with him sometimes. We'd go to early morning prayer. And, and dad would have to keep me from, from walking around Phyllis because when Phyllis would pray, she was severe about it. Phyllis would pray and she would dog cuss the devil up and down. She would walk and say, devil, you blankety blank blank. Get your blankety blank hands off. I love God's people. I got all kinds of great stories about God's people. The pattern and the rhythm of being around God's people as, as I grew up and, and really the, the, the season of formation for my life was at minimum a three times a week uh, rhythm. We had, we had service Sunday morning, we had service Sunday night, and we had service Wednesday night. And my mom was the worship pastor, and so Thursday night was, was practice, and so sometimes we were back up there. Thursday night. But, but I want, what I want you to grasp is that there was a rhythm and a, a, a familiarity with being with the people of God, being around people that, that were pursuing God, that loved God. And, and, it, it, and I want to say this very clearly today, that, that this is not a, uh, there's not any condemnation. I'm not asking that we go back to that. I'm not saying that we need to go back to that. God knew when we were supposed to be alive. He knew that, that, that we were born for this time. I don't fear this time because the perfect love of Jesus cast out fear. The Word of God tells us that, that when it looks darker and darker, that's when God says, my children will be brighter and brighter. And He knew what day and what age that we would, uh, would be uh, created to live in. And so, I don't look at, at what's happening now with, with any fear. So the rhythm that we have now, what I, what I want you to see is that believers that, that were uh, high attenders in a month would, would be together somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 14 times, just around each other. The studies tell us today that, that believers that, that are, are severe about their church attendance, severe about being around other believers, their rhythm is closer to two to three times a month that they're there. And, and again, I don't say that with condemnation. I'm not saying that to, to try to, to say you need to be here more. I am simply presenting this saying, what is the, the, the community of our life that is shaping us? Who are the voices that our life is filled with? Because God, in, in His calling, is he, he called and he, he has designed a people to bear His name and to bear His Spirit. 
he, he has created us with a vision of what that should look like. And this is something we see from Genesis to Revelation. That God had a, had a plan for His people. We see right away with Abraham. God calls Abraham in Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 12. He says, Abraham, come out from where you're familiar. Come, around, come out from, from the pagan worshiping family that you're surrounded with. And he calls him out. And so I want us to, to talk today about how that, that the voice of God is spoken in particular areas through his, his saints. Uh, if you would, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 is, is one of the clearest pictures of the gospel and the calling, the purpose of God on us as his people. And we're going to begin in verse 1. And, and uh, what I would like to ask you to do is we read through verse 1. We're going to read through quite a few verses here. I want you to look for uh, words like we, words like our, words uh, that, that, are, that are combining words. So this is verse 1, Ephesians chapter 2. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we and, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Now, underline that part because I want you to see that. Made us alive together. We, we have verbiage that, that is not, it's not bad verbiage. It's not a bad question to say, have you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? It, it's not a, that's not bad verbiage. It's just not in the Bible. Paul says in Ephesians, he says, this is a place that we have been brought to together. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages He might show you the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us. In Christ Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Say, Josh, why why are you placing the emphasis like that? Because I want us to understand that, that believing in Jesus is not only a place where the life of God connects our, our, our hearts and breathes life into us and our spirits come alive and we're connected with God and His life fills us, but it also connects us with the family of believers. This is not a solo effort. This is not a, a group of, of lone rangers. God has called us out of darkness and called us to be together. And the family of God needs to speak along these lines. 
Ephesians continues, this is verse 19, it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I'm going to read 22 again. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. There's three things that the Lord's put in my heart for us this weekend. That the family of God, that through His family, God speaks. The first thing that that He speaks through His family is He speaks presence. we, We see this as God has called Abraham. In Genesis 12, Abraham leaves. And God's promise to Abraham was that through you there will be a people, a multitude that are called and separated to me. And and not only are they called and separated to me, but I have a land that that I've prepared for them. So I'm calling you out, but I'm calling you to a place. And I'm going to multiply you, and I'm going to bless you, and you're going to know me. You're going to know my care for you. And so God promises this to Abraham. And Abraham begins to walk in it. And then we see the family of God begin to grow. And we see that, that they, they find themselves in bondage for 430 years in Egypt. And the children of God, the, the Israelites, are there. And then Moses hears the voice of God and he, he goes and leads them out. And as he does, God begins to give a pattern of what the family of God looks like. And that pattern speaks to us today. In Numbers chapter 2, we, we see a description of how God set it up for, for the tribes of Israel, the people of God, to surround His presence. And there's a little diagram, we're going to put it up on the screen, that you can see this, that God set up that everyone would know the center of their life was His presence. Now at this time, the presence of God was housed in the tabernacle. And as they are, they are wandering through the wilderness and, and the thinking of slavery is leaving and God is teaching his, his people how to think and how to treat themselves like a child of God, they would stop and then when they would break, they, they, would, they would stop and, and make camp. The first thing that was set up was the tabernacle. The first piece that was put up was the centerpiece that housed the presence of God. And this is something that speaks to us today, that our lives as the family of God are to be centered around the presence of God. And there was this practice that would happen, and on that diagram, if you go in close, you can see that the two tents that are closest to the tabernacle were Moses' tent and Aaron's tent as the high priest. And when Moses would go and he would meet with God, the people would see, oh, God's about to speak to Moses. Now think about this, and I want you to picture like all our church kids running around, and, and a couple of weeks ago we had the power go off at the early service, and, and the kids came in, and they did so good. They were, they were amazing. But, but I want you to, to, to imagine and think about the kids that are, that are playing, and they're playing around their tent. And Moses gets up, and he goes to walk 
to meet with God. And, and everyone in Israel knew everything stops when that happens. Everyone stops and they stand at the edge of their tent. I'm grabbing my son, grabbing his hand, standing here, hold still. We're going to stand. And they would, they, in honor and reverence for the voice of God and the presence of God, they would stand as Moses goes to meet with God. Now, I'm saying that what does that look like in our homes today? What does that look like in our, in our, in our, our lives today? Do, do our lives speak to being centered around the presence of God? Is the formation that's happening in my life through the saints of God, through the, 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 those around, does it speak to the value that, that the presence of God has or should have in our lives? You know, God's promise and His call on His people from the children of Israel to today was two things, that, that it would be a voice internally that collectively we would be a voice of stability and a voice of what love looks like in, in action internally, how we treat each other. And then that also that we would be a voice to an outside world, those outside of the family of God, that we would be an attractional voice to them. And God's pattern for that is that our lives are centered around His presence. I'm so thankful for the men and women of God that, that shaped, and, and, and I, I look back and I see how that God formed and He shaped and He drew me to Himself by the influence of men and women of God that were around me. Yeah, I remember I used to love to, to go for rides with my grandpa, and and you kind of had to, to, to wait and be patient and get through a few minutes of, of political radio. Like, I remember every time I'd, I'd go for a ride with my grandpa, he, it was a race. He, 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 he was a smart guy, so he created a competition for me. And so it was a race to see who could get buckled up the quickest. I didn't even know he was outsmarting me. I just knew that it was a competition. <laughs> And, and then, so I knew that was going to happen, and then I knew I was going to have to endure a few, few minutes of political radio. And he, he would listen to the radio for a little bit, and I'd be bored out of my mind. Like, I would just be internally going, how do I ask him if we can change the channel? Can I go to a different station? I don't want to listen. I don't care about any of this. But I knew that if I endured for a little bit, that he would turn it off, and then he would start talking. And, and the gold today, there, there are things that have been deposited on the inside of me. Preparation for situations that I didn't know I was prepared for because the gold of the family of God that has been sown into me. What, what is God's plan? His plan is that, that this is a generational handing down legacy and not just don't just think in our families and our family names it's that as well but it is also in the family of God there's gold around us that God designed us to receive from each other Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this he says 
But God has put this word, the logos, the message of God, into the mouth of men in order that it may be communicated to other men. When one person is struck by the word, he speaks it to others. God has willed that we should seek and find his living word in the witness of a brother in the mouth of a man. Therefore, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without belaying the truth. He needs his brother man as a bearer and a proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because, because of Jesus Christ. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's heart is sure. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a, he's a wonderful hero of faith. He was martyred by the Nazis at the time of World War II. He was a Lutheran pastor in Germany that could have escaped, but he chose to stay and to resist and to speak. And he knew that, that the weakness that he walked with was in desperate need of the strength that surrounded him, the presence of God that surrounded him in the family of believers. Number two, we by the fa- as the family of God are to speak priority. Ephesians 2 again says, We're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Christ Jesus the cornerstone. The family of God should speak as a collective unit that our lives individually and then wholly are are built on the revelation and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That He is the cornerstone. The cornerstone is the piece that the rest of the house is built off of. It is the plumb line that keeps it straight. Paul says that Christ Jesus is the cornerstone. What, What does that mean for our homes? That means that in our homes there is a priority that is established. And it doesn't matter if you're single or married. It means that we are called to live as an integral whole. Not not separated and put piece by piece, but we are called to live with integrity. Integrity not being perfection. Integrity being that I'm the same person in every environment of my life. That I don't go to church and I act a certain way and then I get home and in the privacy of my home, I live and speak a different way. God says, I'd rather you be the way that you are at home in the house of God and allow me to meet you in that integrity as broken as it might be. I'd rather you be an integrous person in the family of God Because I can't do anything with a profile that pretends. And there's a a, a great analogy, you know, like if you get into exercise, you get into lifting weights, there can be a temptation because we want to see a difference. And so we we, we go to the gym, we work out, and we're like, I want to look better. And so we'll go stand in front of the mirror and be like, okay, I'm, I'm trying this. But you know what the temptation is? is that we only focus on the muscles that we see in the mirror. And we, we like, just picture 15-year-old Josh going and doing, like, 
25 and a half push-ups and then stand in front of the mirror and then just, just flexing. But what happens if we only stay in this place of, of working and, and trying to exercise the muscles that we see, the muscles that are so needed and necessary become underdeveloped. And, and you have things like, like there's, there's this muscle called your rear delts, and they help make sure that, that you don't walk like this, but that your posture is up straight. And then there's this weird thing I hear people talk about, like it's called the core or something like that. What, what, what are these things? These are the areas that if we do not allow God to speak to us can be the underdeveloped places. God has not created you to, to be what, what a believer looks like on Sunday morning. He, he's created you to walk with Him, to know Him on Monday morning, on Tuesday morning, on Wednesday morning. He's so severe about this. You know, there's a story that, that we miss many times in Exodus chapter 4. Moses is headed to Egypt. God's met him and, and he's seen the burning bush. He's going back to Egypt to rescue the people. And, and on the way, it says that God is about to kill him. Like, I'm not even going to candy coat it. It says God is about to kill Moses. And you're like, kill Moses? What, what did he do? And in that moment, his wife comes to him, and, and she says, you are a husband of blood. She had to circumcise her sons. He said, well, what does that mean? That means Moses was about to preach something to a people that he didn't practice in his own home. This is how much integrity matters to God. He's not looking for a people that, that just act a certain way and clean themselves up, and I'm going to act like, like things are good at home at church, and I'm going to keep this place. I'm going to stay closed in, Lord, from you because, because I don't want anybody to see, and I don't want anybody to know. God says, no, I've called my people to live with the priority of integrity. Open before me. The last place that I want us to see is that through the family of God, God speaks the importance of a place. And we said this, that, that God called His people to a place. He, he, he said, I have a land for you that, that is yours. I, I'm giving it to you. He said, you can't separate the land from the people. It's, it's, it's yours as my people. I, I, I've given you this land. You know, this is something that, that politically we get in this place of going like, well, what about the Palestinians and what about the Jews and what about the, the, the nation of Israel? And, and, but I want us to come back to the Word of God and be able to realize God spoke and said, I am giving you that land. And, and, and we can look at this. And so when, when you know, politics get, get talking, we pray from that place, God, would you give your people your land? Because it's in that place. It does not mean that God does not love and He does not care and He did not die for the Palestinians. But I want you to understand God has given this land to His people. He's given to that land to the people of Israel. He's called them to a place. This book that I referenced before, The Power of Place, uh, 
Daniel wrote this book, and it, and it really is, is just such a, a, an amazing pull back to the place that God has called us to, to live our lives with. And, and he addresses some of the, the thinking that we have today, and, and it's really kind of encapsulated in, in the word wanderlust. That it, there's this idea that, that the next adventure in front of me is where I'm going to find my, my true joy and happiness. And there is a, a, a mentality that, that is so prevalent today that impedes us from putting down roots in our relationships, putting down roots in the places that God has called us, because there is this anxiety in this place that robs us of the wisdom and the legacy that God has called us to live with if we're just looking for the next greatest thing. You know, like you, you can get on social media and you can see what, what millionaires do and how they travel the world and they're going from one place to the next place to the next place. And there's a very real reality that God has called His people to put down roots in relationship, put down roots in the care, in the community that He's called them to. And I just want us to be aware of this. I want us to, to allow this thinking that, that, that is from the heart of God. Now, he sent us, and, and the Great Commission says that we are to go to the uttermost parts of the, of, the, of the earth. We're to go. We're to carry the gospel. But when we get to the place that he's called us, we're not to be there and live in shallow relationship there until I go to the where the grass is greener on the next place. We're to, we're to put down roots God said, this is how I've called my people to be. Daniel in this book highlights uh, an early church monk lived about 1,500 years ago. His name was St. Benedict of Nursia. And, and he saw this. This, was not an, this is not a new issue. He saw this even with the, the monks that were around him. And he, he watched them go from place to place to place. It was almost like they like just went to the next Christian conference that I could find. And there's a big conference there, so I'll go there. And, 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 and I'm going to look for, for the joy and the happiness and the, the highlight of being there. And then, then I'll go to this one over here. And, and, and so one of the vows that he led the church in taking was what he called a vow of stability. And that was a vow of commitment that, that when you were at the place that God has called you to be, that you put down roots. That you were there to serve the community. That, that the, the filter that your life was lived from was one knowing, I'm going to be here for the long haul. The mentality that... that God spoke to, to Anna and I, and, and it's amazing how, how he, he does these things in our hearts. But I remember just wrestling with the Lord. Look, Anna and I were in Minnesota for 10 years, and I've talked about that, served under my dad, and, and that was a wonderful, wonderful season. I learned so much, and there was so much immaturity that, that needed to be frozen out of me. You know, if you're in the wilderness, it's burned out of you. If you're in Minnesota, it's frozen out of you. And, but, but I remember wrestling with the Lord and, and wrestling with him to this place of relinquishment and going, God, 
I don't care that I don't like cold weather. I'm going to be obedient to you. So my mentality is I'm going to live in these relationships as if I'm going to die here. I'm going to serve these people as if I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. And this changes the dynamics of our relationship. It changes the depth of relationship that that we allow ourselves to go to. Now, I'm not saying this as legalism, so don't, don't hear that. There are plenty of families that, that you know, I think about military families that, that have to move and move place to place. I, I'm not being legalistic about this. I want us to just simply be aware that God's called His people to live in a depth of relationship, to put down roots in an unrooted world. In a shallow world, we're called to put down roots Ephesians 2 again, verse 22, it says, In Him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You know, Psalm 68 has this promise for us that God puts the lonely in family. This is the family that that He's called for the lonely to, to be adopted into. It's the attractional place for for you and I that that we're not in this for how it benefits us. I'm not in relationship for you. This is not a transactional relationship. This is a spirit-led, spirit-united, growing together by the Spirit of God relationship. It transforms us when we see this. Luke chapter 8, I'm going to end with this. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus frees a man who is in bondage to a bunch of demons, just in in an absolute place of torment. Jesus crosses over and and frees him. This guy was so so tormented, he couldn't sleep. He would be up all night cutting himself with rocks. It was just the, the picture of torment. And he's freed, and, and he, he, Luke chapter 8, we find him just sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. He's experiencing the life of God. And, and I think it's so interesting that the Lord gives him these instructions. Verse 38 of Luke chapter 8, it says, The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return to your home. And declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming through the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. What an account. It's just this this little brief moment in Scripture of someone that, that every believer can identify being transformed, being set free. And Jesus didn't say, no, no, the, the, I want you to travel with me and, and we're going to go and, and, and just work this Messiah campaign. He said, no, what I have for you, what is best for you is that you take this home. The place of fruitfulness is taking this home. What, what is he doing? He, he is speaking to the family of God. He is speaking to the power of the family of God. Many of you know that the actor Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey went through a breakdown a few years ago, a mental breakdown where, where he had to disconnect. And 
spent a lot of time in counseling, spent a lot of time in recovering from this. And on the back side of that, when he was asked about it, he, he's, his response and what he had learned in this time was that he wished that every single person could have all the money to do all the things that they would want to do so that they could see how unfulfilling it was. And it just speaks to, to the stability that this world is desperate for that is found only in the truth of Jesus Christ. And we're called to be that voice of the presence of God that is shaping and forming us together, living by the priority of the, of the truth of the Word of Jesus that, that keeps and, and by the loving power of the Holy Spirit helps and holds each other, speaking strength to the weak areas that fill our lives. And then we're called to live with the depth of relationship that the voice of God speaks that this is not a transactional relationship. I'm in this because Jesus has transformed me. And when I look and I know how good His love is, I can't help. i got to share. It's going to transform us. It's going to change us. Verse 22 of Ephesians 2 says this, In Him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit into a dwelling place. It's this wonderful picture of a declared truth and a truth that's happening. That it's there. God has declared it. You are the temple of my spirit. But he says as we begin to grow in our revelation of what that looks like together, we are built even more into the temple, into the dwelling place of God. Would you bow your heads? Every week we ask this question, and I want to put it in front of you again. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Psalm 68 has that beautiful promise that God puts the lonely in family. And the Lord's inviting us to a wonderful place of, of being a, a safe place for a world that is desperate for relationships that are not transactional, desperate for a love that is sacrificial. And the Holy Spirit is moving in our hearts, growing us, moving us to be that dwelling place of God. Father, I thank You for everyone. Lord, as we pray, God, I pray that, that Holy Spirit, You would speak to every heart. God, you've called us to, to live in a way that is uniting and binding together. It's not a utopian place. Lord, it's a real place with real issues, real brokenness, and the grace of God filling us and meeting each other. Lord, would you grow us like never before in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or if you'd like to connect with us, visit OceanChurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.